This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Zero Pucks Given, the podcast about the Boston Bruins. Zero Pucks Given is brought to you by Wise Snacks and Red River. Now here's Dale Arnold. Zero Pucks Given is brought to you by Wise Snacks and Red River. I'm Dale Arnold. The uh, final regular season or final season wrap-up edition of Zero Pucks Given. And uh, happy to be joined by Matt Kalman, freelance writer, covers the Boston Bruins for a number of different venues. And is also, I might point out, in the interest of full disclosure, the co-author of uh, If These Walls Could Talk, Boston Bruins edition that comes out next November 6th. Matt, thanks for being with us. How are oh, you? Thanks for having me. I feel like I'm uh, either following the footsteps of Billy Jaffe or Ty Anderson. I'm not sure. It's one sure. of those. I can't tell either. <laughs> um, it is the uh, the wrap-up edition where we kind of look back at the season that was and look ahead to what's uh, possible for the Bruins. And I, I guess we'll start with this. Uh, I freely admitted that I misjudged the Tampa Bay series hmm. based primarily on how easily the Bruins handled the Lightning during the regular season. Winning three out of four, looking great in three out of the four. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess the difference here is Tampa Bay raised their game and the Bruins didn't. Yeah, I mean, that's what it came down to. And I think uh, maybe because we don't see Tampa Bay as often as we usually do, we didn't realize they had that extra that extra jolt there. They, um, there was a reason why they led the East from start to finish, and they, they showed that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the Bruins handled them. And, and that game one looked like the same as those regular season games when the Bruins played so well against them, took them out of their game, you know, did everything they wanted to do. And we never really saw that from Tampa Bay pretty much the whole year. If the Bruins had a lesson to learn from the Tampa Bay series, to me it would be this. The defensive intensity and the mm-hmm. commitment shown by the Lightning, blocking shots, which I hadn't seen them do that much of during the regular season, uh, five on five completely shutting down the defensive zone. Sure closing down the slot area in front of Vasilevsky. Uh, I, I don't know that the Bruins had that in them, mm-hmm. but they better find that before next Absolutely. year. Absolutely. I mean, there's there's a there's a will to win, and there's also just the execution. And uh, I think that the, the game plan didn't get adjusted nearly enough after that first game once Tampa Bay turned up its uh, its intensity. And I think they just didn't quite understand what it was going to take to get beyond that second round. You know, you win that first round, and it's a seven-game grueling series, and you come up with that great third period, and you, you think – this is what it takes, but as a lot of the guys in, the, in, in this, um, the core of this team can tell you, it takes so much more each round. The intensity gets so much ramped up. The talent of the opposition gets ramped up, and uh, the Bruins, you know, is kind of a wake-up call, I think. Ironically, if you go back to the uh, Stanley Cup championship year, 2011, the Bruins won the Cup with an historically inept power play. Yeah, right, exactly. I mean, as bad a power play yep. as any team has ever right. had and, and winning a Cup. And you go to this playoff year, 
almost the only thing the Bruins had going for right. them was a power play. Yep. And, we've, that, and it's funny, that's what Tampa Bay's doing right now is uh, riding their power play and hoping it works. I mean, they have the talent there. They have the skill. And we saw during the regular season, they were a good 5-on-5 five five team during the season. It's just, like you said, all the things that Tampa Bay did, they just didn't have an answer for them. And, you know, some of it's injuries, some of it's inexperience, I think. And some of it was just talent. I mean, that, that four-line, you know, we thought the Bruins were a four-line team. And the Lightning pretty much showed you what a four-line team looks like as far as from that Callahan line to the Stamkos line. Every line was not only producing in some way, shape, or form, even if they weren't getting goals, but they were making things happen on the forecheck and, and playing strong defensively. Like you said, blocking shots, that was that was the biggest thing. They were blocking shots almost the way the Rangers block shots, which is kind of funny because they have so many ex-Rangers. Let's start with the goal and work our way out. Uh, I have said that Tukaraska is one of the most polarizing athletes <laughs> in Boston, That's in, sure. in any sport. Yep. Uh, there are people who love him and, and want him to be here forever. There are people who want him gone tomorrow. Uh, I have said, my, my own opinion is that the problems the Bruins had in the Tampa Bay series, Tukarask wouldn't make my top ten. Right. How do you look at it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's no way to blame him for that, uh, for that second-round series at all. I mean, maybe the only goal you can question him on is that one that he jumped away from in Game 2 and— we know what that was about. That was about a read. It was about a bouncing puck. And let's face it, uh, his his numbers were fine. They were in these games. If you don't score a five-on-five for, for three games, you're not going to win many games. And, uh, you know, to, to say that that first series was a was a uh, referendum on him is kind of ridiculous. I mean, I don't think the Tamp- the uh, National Predators are trading Pecorino anytime soon just because of what he did in these playoffs. And we're seeing it now with Veselevsky. We've seen it with every goaltender in these playoffs, even Flurry. I believe was pulled once in this in this playoff. So goaltending isn't uh, what it used to be. You know, there's a lot more skill in this in these games. There's a lot more power plays. There's a lot more you know the crackdown on this obstruction and the slashing. There's more offensive offensive opportunities, and it's time to maybe readjust the expectations on these goalies. Your Sunday skate uh, co-host Ken Laird wants to trade Tuukka. Yeah. I mean that's that's great. You can do that. I'm sure that's fairly you, stupid you can in find, my opinion. You can find 20 teams to line up and do it. I'm sure. And then you'd be putting your your net uh, in the hands of who? Anton exactly. Dolman. I mean, even if you got someone in a trade for Tuca, who's a, a number one in this league, which there aren't too many of them that are that are good number ones. How much doubt is there? Are there any goalies out there that are available that have more experience in the postseason than he does? I mean, this idea that he hasn't won the Cup, so he's a failure, is kind of ludicrous when you look at the goalies he's always compared to, Carey Price, Martin Jones, etc. None of them have won the, the Cup, right? you got Corey Crawford, Jonathan Quick, and Matt Murray, and, and Flurry, if you want to count him, right? There's, four, there's like four guys active that have won, actually won the Cup. And I think I said to Ken the other day, or I said, uh, people always want to say, oh, 2013, he let them down. But then they also want to count the 2010 collapse in his stats. You know, it's like, or they want to say 2013 was was five years ago, and he he, he did well that year. But that doesn't count. But then they count 2010. It's like you can't go back that way. This is a goalie who you know what you're getting. You know you're getting you know league average or above average save percentage. You know he knows how to win. You know he's been he's been in these situations, and you know we always bring up Philadelphia Flyers for 40 years have been looking for two Karask, and there's a lot of teams like that. So you know. I don't know if I'm rambling a little bit here, but no, this is, okay. these are all, these are all the points we, I have to hit on this guy, and it's like I don't know. It's just amazing. I think it's just so easy to look at the uh, the goalie and say he's the he's at fault when you lose, and it's just not the case in in most sports towns. Not this one because of the personalities involved. It's the starting goaltender. Yeah, it's the starting quarterback. Right. 
he doesn't get much heat in this town, nor should he. <laughs> right. And it's the manager of the baseball team. Exactly. Those are the guys who you right. can point to and say they lost because of that guy. Yep, it's unbelievable. And uh, it's just like you don't know exactly what what expectations you have from him. I think people – I mean, you, you, you of all people know what it's like in this town when the goalie is not – even league average. <laughs> How many years of the Bruins did the Bruins go through that? Right um, here, you have a goalie. He took the mantle from Timmy, and uh, he's done everything he's been asked of. I mean, this nonsense about him asking out of games and stuff. I mean, I'm so sick of people playing amateur psychiatrist and getting inside his and head, making stuff up. Oh, exactly. And, and people that say he doesn't look like he cares out there because he happens to be a positional goalie who doesn't have to flail all over the place. I mean, we've seen Hadobin do all these dances and stuff and to make saves and he's had some rocky games himself um he he's not the number one you're going to go with and let's face it they, they kind of do have a perfect situation here now i mean the way they split it up this year was it 54 30 30 32 whatever it was that they that they split i mean seemed to work out perfectly for both guys well this probably belongs more in the in the segment where we look at you know what to do in the off season but because we're talking about goaltending and you mentioned Anton Hudobin. Yeah. Uh, he has already kind of taken the negotiating power out of his own hands. <laughs> he said he doesn't want to go back into free agency. Yeah. He wants to stay here. He uh-huh. wants to sign here. It really is the perfect starter backup situation. Uh, I'd be shocked if if Anton Hudobin is not re-signed here. I would too. I mean, it seems like he's going to have a realistic view of what he's worth in the market. You know, I mean, and it's, and if you combine the two the two uh, salaries, if he gets. If you take Tuka seven and, and Anton's, you know, say one and a half, that's not too bad for a goaltending tandem that, as a tandem, is is certainly elite. I mean, you're not going to see too many uh, groups like that, you know. And, again, people love to bring up Martin Jones. Well, Martin Jones is going to start getting paid next year. I think he's making close to $6 million and they pay his backup, Aaron Dell, like a minute and a, an hour, a million and a half. So that's what – that would be like a million less than what Tuka and Utoba would be making if Udoban gets his. So – Again, these uh, the goalie definitely isn't hamstringing them as far as moves. I haven't seen one move that the Bruins didn't make where they said, well, we're paying Tuka $7 million. We can't go out and get this guy. We haven't seen that happen. And obviously, in terms of quality and expectations of what you know, you know what you're getting, you can't ask for a better situation in that. Let's move out from the net and go to the blue line. And, uh, and your assessment of the Bruins' defense core in the Tampa Bay series, we'll start with the obvious thing here that Tory Krug got hurt mm-hmm. and and wasn't there for the end of it. But so we'll start with him. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the way he played. I mean, I, th- I think he he proved himself this year. He had a great offensive year. He had a great offensive year, and I think the problem, the, the only problem I have, and it's the only yeah. problem, is can you have two five nine defense? Well, that's just it. That, that's what we were going to learn this this postseason, weren't we? And we kind of learned that it it is hard to do that. Tampa Bay made it a point. Yeah. To pound on Grizzlick oh, and Cruz. Long before they got to the Tampa Bay series, teams were doing that down the stretch. When the Bruins were struggling those last two or three weeks, that's what they were doing. And, you know, it, it helped. I'd say right up until when Carlo got hurt, that was that was even the strategy then. But Carlo was starting to play much better. He was playing physical, and teams were a little less apt to, to go at that uh, that pair that much, you know, Krug and Carlo together. Once Carlo was out of the lineup, for sure, I mean, teams were attacking them. And, um, it's it's hard to do. I think it, I think it's hard to commit to that. And I think that's why this you know it doesn't have to be an elite left shot defender. People keep saying like they're going to go out and get this game changing guy who's going to put them over the top be the final piece. And I'm not sure that piece exists or is available. But maybe it's if it's affordable, right? Exactly. Especially when you think of having to pay all these prospects. I mean, these all these guys are all going to come up on contracts way really soon. Well, Boys coming up this summer. Exactly. McAvoy already is going to be eligible for an extension. So you can't go out and get a 
Oliver Ekman Larson and, and think you're going to pay him, what, six, seven million and, and still be able to take care of these other guys that are such key parts. I think it's more, you have to look more for like just a, not necessarily a bargain, but just a veteran left shot who can play maybe third pair. And then you just decide between Krug and Grizzlick for your second pair left shot, D. If Tukarask is the most polarizing uh, player on the Bruins, Zdeno Char is the second most. Yeah. Uh, he's the guy who generates the second most amount of uh, listener calls and, <laughs> and angst. Uh, and and for, a, for a market that I think deserves the reputation of being real smart hockey fans, there are some real dumb ones out there. <laughs> and they all seem to call about Zdeno Chara. Right. I thought he had a remarkable year this year. He had an amazing year, and I think everyone that that follows the league and has followed this team closely knows what a bounce back year he's had. Sure, he had a couple of, of rough years the past couple of years when the the team was struggling and there wasn't any support. When when you think of the fact that um, at forty one playing the top pair of minutes, he played the, the minutes that he always played. He obviously all take a this, look at what the Matthews line did. Yeah, take a look at what the Stamkos exactly. line did. Well, that's did. the funniest part, right? Everyone's and he's saying he's the guy out there playing against. Oh those my guys. god! Everyone's saying he slowed down in the playoffs. And like I said, ask Austin Matthews if you thought Chara slowed down. Ask Steven Stamkos. I mean, Stamkos didn't do anything. He had the empty netter, and then he had the tying goal. And you know, and then maybe things got away from them a little bit in Game Five there. But I mean, my God, he was the shutdown guy on those guys. They've done everything they can to limit his minutes, you know, taking him off the power play, things like that. But he's still the, the best defensive defenseman in the league. He's the guy no one wants to face. He's also the only defenseman I know of in the league who plays an entire two minutes of a, of a penalty. <laughs> right, penalty. exactly. Plays the entire Exactly. Time. And, and he'll do it two or three times in a game sometimes when they're really, you know, undisciplined in the box. I mean, to think that, uh, I mean, you obviously have to think forward about replacing him. But you might actually have that replacement in Charlie McAvoy. I mean, you might have a he's different. The, he's the next, right? You have you have a, you'll have a different looking defense core when right. he's the number one. Obviously, he's a two way guy. He's the Drew Doughty of this team. He's going to play twenty five minutes a night, he's, but he's going to play in all situations. Not like Char now, where he comes off on the PK. But and you're obviously not going to have that amazing shutdown guy unless Brandon Carlo, you know, continues to develop yeah, or someone so. like that. I exactly. Don't think so. So well, and I like Carlo, but he's not going to be that. Oh, and then there's then there's maybe like a Zaboro. I mean, he's not. No one's going to be Charo. Let's right. face it. No one's going to be that. But if you have a couple of these defensive defensemen to mix in with, say, Tori Krug and Charlie McAvoy, you're going to look more like every other defense core, every other good defense core in the league. You're not going to have the six foot nine monster back there anymore. You know, you think about uh, Charlie McAvoy, and you think about the heart issue early in the year, yeah. and the procedure that he, right. that he undertook, and then the knee injury late in the year, and and Ray Bork told me. He's not going to be 100% until next fall. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got to get used to the knee brace. Sure. He's got to figure out how to move around. Right. Uh, given all of that, what a year he Oh, had. my God. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. Uh, I'm certainly not an expert on Charlie McAvoy because when he stepped into the playoffs, I was like scoffing at this. Well, like, what kind of idea is this? You had to get four defensemen hurt before <laughs> they, they were willing to take that Right, exactly. Too. So he goes in there, and I'm like, this isn't going to be help be a help. And then he was, he not just in terms of ice time, he was the second-best defenseman. Comes back this year, and, and you know, you think maybe a sophomore jinx, maybe the league gets a book on him. You could probably count on one hand, one and a half hands, how many off nights he had. He's the, the, he's the real deal. Is, I, I, I wish he would be a bit more assertive. Oh, obviously, obviously, because he's got such yeah. skills. He had the three puck. shots on net in the Tampa series. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, oh my god, you're, that's going to have to get better, exactly. and it will. Uh, but there are times yeah. when you see him, you know, make that move to the offensive mm-hmm. zone, oh, yeah. lead the rush, and you think, oh my god, right. that's what you want to exactly. see. Exactly. I can imagine that's probably what people 
thought when they saw Rake come in here. I mean, that's yeah. that's what it feels like to me. I feel I feel like I'm in a good position, honored to be covering the beginning of this guy's career to see him blossom into what he's going to be. And it's amazing that when you think about uh, how much guff the Bruins get sometimes for the drafting, a lot of teams passed on Charlie McAvoy and. A lot of teams are regretting, regretting that. I thought Matt Grizzlick was one of the biggest surprises for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody even planned on him being here this year. And if Brandon Carlo hadn't gotten hurt, he might not have been here this year. Um, Except I, for the fact that I think Bruce Cassidy loves Matt Grizzlick more than anything. And no, at some and, point, and he, he was going to find a spot for him, I think. Uh, but yeah. and, and I thought Matt had a, <laughs> a terrific rookie season. Yeah. Uh, the only issue, as I said, is can you afford to right. have two five foot nine inch defensemen on your blue line? Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's such a... I mean, people have such different opinions. To me, I think Grizzlick is, is a solid defender, but I think Tory Krug is also a solid defender, and he's getting these this reputation maybe because he plays more minutes and he was playing harder minutes well, where he's he out there. He certainly takes more face-offs starting in the defense and the uh, right. offensive end than he right. does the defense. Exactly. So you know, there's 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 different things you have to weigh, I guess. And but you you might be able to. I would have loved to have seen what happened if you had Carlo in there because that would it looked like things were coming together. For the six guys, and once Grizzly and Miller became a solid pair, and then you you took Carlo out, you had to juggle that. I understand why Bruce was doing it. A lot of people were questioning why he was breaking up the Grizzly Miller thing, but he I don't think he really, as much as he loves Matt Grizzly, I don't think he really trusted him as much in the postseason as his first playoffs. So, but yeah, I mean, obviously that the, the whether or not you can the, maybe the jury's still out on whether or not you can have a defense score with those two guys, but I think the Bruins might be a little less likely to try it again. And based on the salaries, it might be Tory Crew that would have to go, but I think that would be a a step back, depending on what you're getting, because it's like one step forward, one step back, because of all the things Tory Crew can do. You mentioned Kevin Miller. Uh, I've said all season long he is a sneaky player. Oh, he is a much better skater yeah. than he gets credit for. Right. He has a much better shot than he gets credit for, yeah, and that's he's obviously a physical specimen. Right. And he's not going to sneak up on anybody anymore. They, no, they, but, they've got they've got him now. But they he's, know that he's he's good. He's awesome. I mean. That's the thing, too, about they look at the way he's improved at the age that he improved. I mean, the big thing with him when they re-signed him was, what else? what's the ceiling here? He's 28 already, whatever he was when he was really starting to get some minutes. So how is he going to improve on that? Well, he did it. He went out, got a skills coach, worked tirelessly in the offseason, came back with better hands. His passing was excellent this year. His first pass was so, always on the tape. And that's why I think about Torrey Krug and I say, you know, there's there's more room to improve here, and we know that he has that work ethic, and we know that he's had a lot of off seasons where he's been injured, and now again, of course, he's going to miss. You know, he's not going to be on his feet for a couple of months here. Um, but there, there's still some room to grow, grow for that guy. Kevin Miller also, uh, just based on my experiences observing in the dressing room, oh, yeah. has become a real leader. Oh, on for this sure, team. absolutely. I mean, there's there are a lot of guys on that team on the team like that, but he's definitely emerged. I mean. Who can't respect him? I mean, it, it goes back to Chara. With you know, if you if you look respect the Chara for anything, it's the, it's the off ice, you know, work ethic, right? The fact that he comes back every year and wins that pull up contest, and and Kevin Miller is like Chara light, right? He's he's the guy that always challenges him in that contest, and he's the guy who takes perfect uh, care of himself. And let's face it, the guys who have been teammates with him for several years, they see the improvement as much as we do, right? And so that's that's uh, obviously a huge thing to respect. The final guy on the defense crew that we should talk about is Adam McQuaid. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one admires McQuaid more than I do, <laughs> except maybe his teammates. Right. Uh, you noticed that shorthanded, he's the guy on the ice with Chara almost all the time. Right. Uh, nobody more willing to put his body at risk, to block shots, to throw himself in front of pucks. That's for sure. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that there's much growth left in his game, <laughs> right. and I hate to say it because I love the guy, yeah. 
chances are he's going to be the guy who's going to find himself without a job on this defense core next year. Yeah, I mean, if at the very least he'll be the seventh guy, and we know how injuries go, and he'll be in there. Right, exactly, and he's been there before, and they've missed him when he's done that, but there is no hard limitations, like you're saying, to what he can do, and especially the way the game is right now, you need to have four and a half, five guys, you know, five guys probably that can really bring it at both ends and not just be defensive defensemen, and there's nothing wrong with having him around as the, as the seventh guy. You know, it could be even be a playoff situation where you're facing a certain matchup that he fits better than, say, you know, whoever is, is taking his job. And the experience, and again, another guy who's a quiet leader on this team for sure. I mean, a guy everyone looks to not just because he breaks bones but because he's been through it all and uh, got the cup ring. So, you know, it's it's so hard to see how it would, it would play out. I mean, Clearly, you don't want to trade Kevin Miller, but if if you did, you have McQuaid there to replace him. You don't. You're gonna to have to give up something to get something, and we we don't really quite know exactly what that's going to be because we don't know what they're going to really pursue. We've talked goaltending and defense. We'll turn our attention to the forward lines in just a moment. We'll continue the conversation after a brief a brief message from Wise Snacks and Red River. Before the ice freezes and the ref drops the puck, make the wise choice at your local grocer's aisle this hockey season and pick up your favorite Wise Snacks products. Made with high-quality ingredients packed with delicious flavor. Wise Snacks is that clutch score for your taste buds. Let's go, hockey fans. Hop over the boards and get your feet moving. Go top shelf this season and pick up your favorite-tasting Wise Snacks products as your team continues its quest towards the cup. Red River is a technology transformation company, reimagining the possibilities of technology, enabling organizations to transform beyond the expected. From the cloud and big data to mobility and cybersecurity, Red River can meet your business objectives. With over 20 years' experience, Red River has built a tremendous reputation serving commercial, civilian, defense, intelligence, healthcare, and sled markets by sticking to their company credo. Technology decisions aren't black and white. Think red. Visit RedRiver.com to learn more. Before the ice freezes and the ref drops the puck, make the wise choice at your local grocer's aisle this hockey season and pick up your favorite Wise Snacks products. Made with high-quality ingredients packed with delicious flavor, Wise Snacks is that clutch score for your taste buds. Let's go, hockey fans. Hop over the boards and get your feet moving. Go top shelf this season and pick up your favorite-tasting Wise Snacks products as your team continues its quest towards the Cup. Back on Zero Pucks Given, Dale Arnold. Matt Kalman is our guest this week. We've talked about the Bruins goaltending. We've talked about the defense. Let's move to the forward lines here. And we're going to start at the bottom and work our way up. We'll Mm -hmm. start with the fourth line, uh, a line that I thought uh, gave a a remarkable amount during the course of the season. (laughs) And in the playoffs, it dried up. Yeah. It disappeared. Yeah, I uh, I think those guys got worn out. I mean, Timmy Schaller played all 82, and next thing you know, he's a healthy scratch in the playoffs. Uh, Corrali, it came in spurts, and I think, uh, you know, Achari, the same thing. I think those three guys had a great year, and they, there was some juggling, obviously, with that bottom six when there were injuries toward the end there and in the playoffs, but I think they all got worn out. It was probably the most hockey any of them had ever played, and especially once you went up against Tampa Bay and that fourth line that's had so, many, so much experience and so much strength. Um, it was hard, and th- those guys play hard minutes too. You know, this isn't a fourth line; they only roll out against other fourth lines. They spent a lot of the season chasing first and second lines, and uh, it's going to be hard to keep them together. I think going to next year, but well, uh, Schaller's an unrestricted right, free agent. Exactly. Whether or not they'll bring him back, 
Uh, I'll, I'll include Tommy Wingles in the fourth yeah. line, the guy uh-huh. who was acquired sure. at the trade deadline. I don't know that they'll bring him back, right. but I kind of liked what he brought. Yeah, I mean, I liked, you know, obviously Timmy Schaller, I think, is a guy with more a little more upside, can even play uh, top nine at least in, in spots duty. We saw that at the beginning of his career here when uh, when Claude had to throw him in a couple of times on the Krejci line, but you also don't want to block kids, and there's, there's, there's still so, there's so many guys down on the farm that could come in. I'm thinking right off the top about Jesse Gabriel, who wound up back in junior after starting the year in Providence, but you got to figure he's going to be in the mix come this uh, come training camp. And the, if, there's, if there's one place where you can afford to kind of leave a spot open, it's the fourth line. I mean, you can always find someone to fill there. Maybe, I mean, but maybe Timmy Schaller does come back, and maybe uh, you, you kind of hash it out at the end. We've seen them do that numerous times with these types of guys where they bring them back and then figure it out if no one takes the job from them. Third line got juggled around a lot in the course of the playoffs between injuries and, and performance. For the sake of our discussion, let's call Riley Nash the third-line center. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he's going to be back. In right. fact, I would guess he would not be back. Mm-hmm. I think David Backus will end up being a wing on your third line. Yep. Uh, and then the question is, who's going to be the other wing on your third line? Right. Well, obviously it was Danton Heinen for, for much of the year, right? And uh, that seemed to be a good fit for him. But you know what, too? That that Corrali Backus uh, uh, brusque line nearly saved the season. That was their best line, game five before uh, Backus got rung up there. Right. So there's there's that's the key that they've done here was with, with drafting guys is the versatility and the fact that you can there's a lot of moving parts as they always say and you can put guys up and down and if you're playing third line or second line it's not that big of a difference right in this team I mean, they're going to spread out the minutes and uh, and then again you know, not to get too into into the into the weeds on the kids here but you got. For Baca Carlson and Solarik and and Frederick looked good when he came up to Anders Providence Bjork. and Anders Bjork is going to come back and I've said this I've told this story before <laughs> I spoke to Harry Sinden in like January yep. in the course of of our book uh-huh. and he said to me of all the good young kids on the team and he liked them all yeah he said I think Bjork could be the best one of the bunch well there you go <laughs> I mean can't ask for a better uh, recommendation than that and uh, yeah I mean he looked great I mean obviously he had his his rookie up and ups and downs and. Got got. Uh, I think he ended up with an injury even before shoulder even January, before the shoulder. Yeah. He had something, yeah. I think. So, um, yeah, I mean, he was your top line right wing when the season started, right? So, um, there's, there's a lot of a lot of wealth here and a lot of talent that can that can plug in. It's just a matter of how young you want to go. Danton Heinen uh, had a remarkable rookie season. You look at the yeah. numbers and and you realize if he hadn't slowed down the way he did in the last month or so, right? I mean. He'd have been close to a point a game guy. Yeah, and you know, in the playoffs, I think maybe you know Bruce Cassidy was asked what he learned about uh, himself as a coach in the playoffs, and he he talked about some generalities. He didn't get too specific, and I think I bet you he regrets a little bit sitting Danton Hyde in those last two games of that of that series, that Lightning series, because he wasn't necessarily bringing anything, but he's a player who can. Like and a snap of a finger, turn it up, and and he's he, he he might be like a sneaky forward. I think he you don't see the blazing speed or the amazing hands, but he he has a tendency to come through, and he did it in the Toronto series when he came back and after being scratched, and um he's just a good all around player and a smart player, a, a positionally sound guy, a guy who might actually be perfect for Bergeron and Marchand going forward here, and uh, you know I have obviously again they're going to trade somebody here, somebody's going to be gone, and it might be him. It could be one of these other kids, but uh, a guy that you can definitely plug into this top nine, and whether if, even if just third-line left wing, he's fine. Lost season for David Backus between the diverticulitis oh. early on and 
uh, you know, the concussion at the end. Right. And, um, I mean, I, I still I, had 14 goals. Yeah. yeah, that's not too when bad. When he was healthy, he right. was pretty good. He was certainly right. better than his first year here. Yep. Probably not making what the contract would right. indicate he should well, make. Uh, and I understood why Don Sweeney went out and yep. got him. Mm-hmm. They needed character. They needed leadership. Right. They had a lack in that dressing room mm-hmm. when they went out and signed him. He's got that in spades. I just don't know that you're going to get a whole lot more out of him. I mean, right. he's getting older. He's not getting younger. That's just it. I mean, uh, Donnie said he thinks maybe he's a, a 20-50 guy again, a 20 goals, 30 assists. and if, if he did that, then he's worth the money. That would be amazing if he did that. I mean, I, I just don't see how that's going to happen. I mean, uh, he's not going to play in your top six. He's he's not going to play above the second power play. He might be second power play. I yeah, mean, I thought exactly. he was pretty good as a net front right. presence he in that does role. that. And, but like you said, he's getting older too, so yeah. he's going to get pushed around. There's going to be injuries no matter what. It won't, might not be as bizarre as the, the verticulitis, but he's going to get some problems. And um, But like you said, I mean, you, 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 you look at that as a contract and you say, wow, what were they thinking? But you, it's, that is what they were thinking. Like you said, they needed the leadership. They needed the character. And um, he's brought that in spades. I mean, no one's going to knock no him. Issues no one's going to knock what he's done no. in that. And uh, he's done it in an interesting way, I think, that he hasn't made himself the center of attention. You know, he, Jerome McGinley was here one year, but there was this whole thing about he's going to be a leader and he was pretty boastful about being a leader. I think David Backus has found that perfect niche of like Bergeron and Char are the leaders here, and I'm like in that second group, I think, and I think he's done a great job of that, and I think they respect that he did that. He didn't try to take over the room the way maybe you would have expected him to. And uh, I guess you can you can also look at it that Donnie can he can pay him $6 million when he's paying DeBrusque and Bjork and Heinen and these guys on their entry levels, and it's going to kind of coincide that that contract will be near its end when these guys start getting paid, and then you'll have to make the hard choices. I, I don't take David. I don't take David Backus as a guy who, when his no trade kicks in, is going to be like, "I'm staying here, no matter what." I think if you tell him he's not wanted at some point, he'll accept that and go Depending somewhere else. Where. Exactly. So this, these things always work out, and like you said, I mean, you're going to have so many kids in the lineup. You can't have all rookies. Everyone wants all the rookies to play. You can't do that. This is as close as you can. I think five five in, in one lineup is enough. And More than most teams will Exactly. Be. All right, let's go to the second line. Um, Rick Nash has said he wants to come back. Yeah. Uh, I have a hard time picturing that. Yeah, that was like a politically correct, sure, I'll be back type thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I <laughs> he gave you virtually nothing in yeah. the playoffs. Now, I don't know sad. if that was a result of the concussion. Yeah. Uh, and and that may well be the case, by the way. So I'm not I'm not knocking right. him. Yeah. But his career arc is that you get to the playoffs and he kind of dries up. I don't see any way Rick Nash is back on this team. Yeah, it just doesn't wouldn't make any sense. I mean, the fact and is, I applauded the move when they did it. Oh, by of the course. Way. I don't want to make this sound like I'm uh, second guessing. I thought it was a great yeah. move when they acquired. I mean, I was through the roof when they did that. I couldn't believe I couldn't believe they did it because I didn't think Don Sweeney would ever make a move like that. Where he's trading a first round pick and a prospect that, that they liked in Linger and I, and and to get rid of Spooner, who we know Donnie Sweeney kinda had an affection for. Um He's the one. You couldn't knock that trade. I mean He's the one who had the affection for Spooner. Right? <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, I mean he was the one who kinda got drafted him and got to know him in Providence and that was what they needed. I mean, if they didn't need the top four D and they clearly weren't gonna pay the price for McDonough, they needed to do a, a wing for Critchie, and that was the best one available. I mean, you could have gotten um the guy that went to New Jersey, whose name escapes me, but uh, the guy who went from Anaheim. Oh, Taylor Hall. Or oh, uh, you. Yeah. Um, I can't think of the guy's name. Anyway, the guy who went to the went to Jersey from Edmonton. Um, Maroon. Pat Patrick Maroon. Maroon. You know, you could have got that guy, but that was like such a lower level thing to me. That would have been like, oh, Nash which, which, we're trying, but we're not really trying. <laughs> you, you went out and you, you spent the big price on Nash, and like you said, it was it was a disappointment that he didn't uh, perform better and. 
you know what? You win some, you lose some. But I don't think they lost it because they didn't lose that much in that in that deal. Let's talk about David Krejci for a minute, <laughs> uh, because I think at, at this point, I'm at the point where I think I'm overrating what he can bring to the table. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I've always thought he was one of the best second-line centers in the National Hockey League, and I've continued to say that. And then I ultimately end up disappointed. Uh, and I felt like I was disappointed in Krejci for much of the year. Yeah, I mean, he had, he, you know, when he was playing with, with uh, Bjork and DeBrusque for that short time, he, he kind of looked rejuvenated. And then the injuries kind of slowed him down, I think. And it's funny, you bring in Rick Nash and you think it's a perfect marriage, and I thought he was going to be when when Krejci was great the Cup year. Yeah, he had Lucic and Horton. He right. had those big shoot first wings, yep. which I thought Nash was going right. to be. And I thought this is going to be the perfect guy to stick with David Krejci. Yep. And you know maybe he had a brief little energy boost. <laughs> exactly. But uh, I'm, I'm not sure. You know Krejci's one of the highest paid guys on this team, yep. and I don't think he's performing it's, like that. It's hard to find guys to play with David Krejci for whatever reason, and I think it, a lot of it maybe has to do with with the game changing. You, even in their primes, you wouldn't have necessarily a Lucci, Chorton, Krejci line be successful. Not now. Uh, exa- there's just so much. There's just so much more speed. There's just so much more emphasis on it. I think, um, and it's just it's just really hard. I mean, you know, Nash being a left shot maybe doesn't help either. Not to not to make excuses, but these are all the things that contribute to like guys not clicking with David Krejci, and we've seen it for three years now. They've, well, Jake DeBrusque did. And yep. I loved everything right. about Jake DeBrusque. And Jake DeBrusque game, though, I think would fit with anyone. That's the thing. Jake DeBrusque plays, I love everything plays about his kind game. of a straight line. And his, you know, how can't you play with that guy? He's got rockets in his skates. I mean, I've never seen a guy with that second burst of acceleration where he's chasing a puck, you know, even with someone. And next thing you know, he's three strides ahead of them. It's just amazing to watch him. And, uh, they, they probably need more of that. And I think that's maybe the biggest reason why if they don't, Bring that Rick Nash back, which we're pretty much sure, certain is not going to happen. You got, maybe you just give him two kids again, and you and you, and you get him skating. Will yeah. the other kid be Ryan Donato? It, oh, you know we we didn't even say Donato. There I've you been go. Saving him. I've been saving I, him. <laughs> so there you go. You got Ryan Donato. You got so you got Donato, DeBrusque, Bjork. These guys can skate, you know, like the wind, and that that's what Krejci needs at this point. And I, I mean, think, there's no doubt Donato's going to be on this team next yeah. year. I think he's going to be a big part of this team this yep. year. And he's I'm, not going to be a center, I don't think, to begin with. I don't think I don't think that they like – first of all, he's not strong enough, I right. don't think, yet. Now, right. maybe he'll have a yeah. you know a summer in the gym and, yeah. and come back with you know 15 pounds of muscle on him. Right. Uh, I love his skill set. Mm-hmm. I, I love his shot. Uh, I just think that especially in the playoffs, Bruce was a little hesitant yeah. to get him out there in high leverage situations. Absolutely. And then he didn't do many favors by putting him on a line with Gianta for that first game. <laughs> it was kind of like, you know, giving him a handicap right there. It wasn't fair. But yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying about Jake DeBrus too, is he's so versatile. He could play third line and you could plug Donato maybe on that left side with Krejci and then maybe you find someone else. I mean, the perfect line, and this goes back to something I've been saying for weeks now and or even back into the season, is at some point do you break up the top line? No. Never? Not me. No. Not I, I've now seen what they are together. Yeah. And it's magic. And, it is and magic. And we'll, we'll move to that group now because <laughs> they were the best line in the National Hockey League. Yep. They combined for 99 goals. They had three 30-goal scorers on the same line. Um, I understand coaches thinking of, <laughs> you know, i got to spread some of that scoring right. out. The fact of the matter is, and we saw this even in the playoffs, they are practically unstoppable. Right. I think 
it's definitely a lot of arguments to that, but in the grand scheme, I think it kind of cost them in the end because they didn't have a second, they didn't have any secondary scoring. They were all in that same group. Oh, you've got to get another line to yeah, score, and, and so that's, that's where Krejci's got to right, come in. And that's where you're relying on these kids being able to be the wings for Krejci. And like I said, we we saw it with DeBrusque and Bjork. That was a pretty good line with Krejci. So maybe that will work and you can keep it together. But you have to at least contemplate Pasternak, Krejci, Marchand, Bergeron being pairs and plug the kids in wherever they fit. Which is the way they were going to start the season if things didn't go haywire well, injury-wise. Well, let's start with Pasternak because yeah. uh, I think he's got the the best skill set on the Bruins. He's mm-hmm. the most skilled player on the team. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, the things he does, the creativity that I've never seen in a Bruins player in my time. Not in a long time, team. anyway. Maybe nifty, but that was right. before my exactly. time. Exactly. That's before my time for sure. And uh, he needs to improve a little bit. I think there are some aspects of his game sometimes that he he still has the room to improve, but he's shown well, that he can do he, it. When he tries to take, you know, when yeah. he tries to play one on four, right. it almost be, never works. Needs to be smarter, needs to work on his passes, and needs to be a little less predictable on the power play, I think. You know, can move around a little bit. Um, well, you know what, too? I think you're saying Pasternak is the most. I think Brad Marchand. I don't think he's, he's as skilled pretty, as yeah. Pasternak. But, and hmm. we'll go to Marchand next. He's pretty uh, amazing end of the season player. Controversy. Yeah. Um, He's saying all the right things. Yeah. I hope he means what he <laughs> says because he's too damn good to pull yeah. that shit. Yeah. Stop it. He was an embarrassment <laughs> to himself. He was an embarrassment to his teammates. Yep. He was an embarrassment to his organization. Now, he, he said all that he stuff. He was even on The Daily Show. <laughs> they actually showed him licking on The Daily Show. Trevor Noah said, called him some hockey player. Oh, was he? NBA playoffs, too. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just stop. Yeah. I, I mean, I understand that he feels he's got to play on an edge. There's no edge to yeah, that stuff. Yeah, there's no, exactly. He's too That's good for it. that. That's just it. There's, a, there's an edge, and the Bruins know that, and they accept that once a year he's probably going to get a five-game suspension for low-bridging someone or elbowing somebody. That's heat-of-the-moment type stuff that you accept. Uh, the nonsense after the whistle, whether you think it was bad or not, in terms of awful. there's so many people like defending it, saying, oh, how could you – you're comparing it to hitting someone in the head. Is How could this be any worse? But it's just – Embarrassing and disgusting, like you said, and it's, it it reflects poorly on the organization. And I think um, I have no insight info on this. This is totally my speculation, one hundred percent. But you know, he has a small child now, and I think maybe the family said something this time. I hope so. I think that's what I happened. think his teammates did. Yeah, I do think that there were oh, several teammates who had. Some There's words no with doubt him, that Patrice Bergeron, including is his best friend, right? Exactly. Patrice I mean, that's an interesting couple, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, you think of those two yeah, guys being Felix best and pals, and they are. They're exactly. they're great friends, right? Uh, there might not be a more unlikely right. pair uh, friend tandem in the in the exactly. whole NHL. Yeah, it's Felix and Oscar to the hilt there. But uh, I think the, the teammates and I bet I bet his wife or his father, someone said to him like, "What are you doing?" I, I, you know, I tried to ask him that after that first game when he did the licking. It's like, what makes a twenty nine year old man decide that's something they should do? <laughs> We've seen him do so many wacky things and talk a lot of trash and say a lot of funny things when he's been mic'd up. But where does the licking come in? <laughs> He is, and I've said this all along, I think he's one of the top five forwards in the National Hockey Oh, my Hockey God, League. for sure. He, I mean, he for, was the first team All-NHL left wing last he's year. He's top one or two all-around wings for sure. I mean, no one's great better defensively. Killer, great plus minus. If uh, the Pro Hockey Right Association didn't uh, you know, dis- dismiss wings in the Selkie voting like they do, right. where it's basically the best center of the year award, uh, Brad Marchand's got to be up there. He's probably the best penalty killer of the last five, ten years, and he's got the shorthand that goes to prove it. Um, and he, again, he keeps getting better. You know, he, he his hands just keep getting better. His shot has gotten so much better over the years. And um, 
a guy who, you know, you're not going to break him and Bergeron up, but a guy who on another team would obviously drive a line. And we saw that this year when Bergeron was out. Everyone said, you know, Martian and Pasta are not going to struggle, and, and they didn't. They made they made Riley Nash into a multimillionaire probably. You mentioned uh, Bergeron and being out for a while. It, it's the only negative I can ever say about him yeah. is, unfortunately, he gets hurt. Uh, it turns out that he told us post postseason right. that he had some sort of a groin injury most yep. of the season. Uh, it he plays through everything. I mean, God knows he's tough as nails. It's the only negative I have about right. you know the perfect hockey player and maybe close to perfect human being is he plays to such a degree that he ends up getting hurt and then he tries <laughs> to play through it. That's a bad thing. And doesn't drop off that much, right? I mean, you don't really had a remarkable you exactly. You don't see it. Uh, well, I mean, this whole offensive production part of his career is, goes against everything that we've been taught in these last but few you years know what that by is? analytics. It's you go, a, exactly. You were their warrior I'm watching. Exactly. He works on that shot it's amazing. every single yep. day. He's got uh he's got a lot in his bag of tricks and you know um the supposedly you're supposed to be on the other end of your career at this point analytic wise they're saying now the prime is 26 27 and 32 33 you're supposed to be dropping off and he's increasing. It's amazing to think that just three years ago, even we probably looked at him as a checking center. He wasn't necessarily the offensive juggernaut that he is now. So, uh, yeah, I don't know what else we could say other than to turn this into a Patrice Bergeron appreciation now, right? It's, there's nothing. There's no knock on him. He's probably got a pretty good shot at winning his fifth Selkie. Yep. And and I never would have said this prior to this as much as I admire him as a player. He wins his fifth Selkie. You got to start thinking about Hall of Fame. Oh, I thought after the fourth one for sure, and then even without that, I mean, the guy's putting up numbers. He's climbing the all-time ranks of an original six team. Um, so respected by his peers. I mean, you know, the, the numbers are going to be there, and uh, won the Stanley Cup once, and who knows what else will happen. I mean, this is this guy. This is one of the legends of the game. I think thirty other organizations and thirty other fan bases appreciate that for sure. He's not a guy that anyone's ever knocked i mean people have you know people like a vetch can have their detractors but no one's ever said a negative word about patrice bergeron anyway right? nobody dislikes him exactly even in like montreal they don't have anything that's no. negative about him right i mean so yeah i mean he's he's a no-brainer hall of famer i mean whether or not it's first ballot you can't tell it's at eight whatever it is 12 person committee where they make up their own rules and help out their friends and sometimes unfortunately wait till people die to put them in like but, Pat Burns. but patrice bergeron will be in all right, so let's talk about next year. You mentioned that there were five rookies, uh, you know, on this yeah. roster. Yeah, I think you might have five more next year. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, yeah. Donato obviously is going to be right. No doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, I think that in no particular order, but guys who have a chance of being here. Yeah, Jacob Forsbacher, Carlson, mm-hmm. uh, Trent Frederick, who you mentioned, um, Jesse Gabriel. I think I, I think's got I'm a kinda, chance. I'm kind of pushing Erho Vakanainen too. I think he People had a heck of a, a year. I haven't seen him at all, yeah. you know, playing over in Europe. Right, exactly. But. Me neither, but I've heard some good things about him being a uh, a guy that his team of, you know, a team of men relied on him to play some major minutes, and I think they had a pretty decent season. I heard he had like a 30-minute playoff game somewhere in there, so they're not just throwing out those minutes to no, to nobody, and it's a guy that could maybe, you know, be tutored by Zdeno Chara, you know, in the locker room, maybe not play with Chara, but at least be in the, in the locker room with this guy and play in the third pair, so... Uh, there's, you know, that's another guy. And then who else do you have there? It's well, a, I mean, you've got all those guys in Providence who, yeah. whose names, Sinitian and right. Zaboral, yep. and, you know, names we've been hearing yep. about. So there's a lot of guys. <laughs> I mean, there's I just think, not, I think the only reason you wouldn't have the five rookies is because you don't have that many lineup spots. Well, and it may be that you you include some of them right. in the package Absolutely. You know, to find that left defenseman. Well, this is. It, it might be Tory Krug and one of those kids. Right. This is know. This is the summer 
where I was talking about this with Ken the other day. They they made the Nathan Horton trade after 2010, right? That was the trade that said they addressed they they looked at their team. They said, okay, this is what we need. We need a first basically first line right winger at the time, and it was a perfect storm. The Panthers were paying Horton a lot, but weren't liking what they were getting from him. He was a guy who didn't uh, wasn't engaged playing in Florida. It was too easy to uh, to screw around and not pay attention, and especially playing on a bad Panthers team. So they gave up a pretty good price for him. I mean, Weidman, for all his faults, was a, a high end, you know, p- uh, p- puck moving defenseman as they called it. And the Bruins struggled to replace that that year, and yeah, that's why they ended up making the Carabellet trade. And they gave up a first round pick, which was thirteenth, I, th- I believe, overall. Um, well, I'll tell you another thing that I think Don would like to acquire this summer. I think he wants a first-round pick back. He might want one. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see him include, you know, one of these yeah. prospect kids yeah. to try to get back into the into the first round again. Yeah. I have no problems with him making the deal. I'm right. just saying exactly. I think he'd like to get a first round Yeah, I think he pick. would, and um, there's certainly enough of these guys to do that with. And, you know, we've seen Solaric a few times. He's had injury problems. That's a guy that maybe— He didn't show me much. i got to be maybe honest they, Yeah, you. exactly. So maybe they've soured on him a little bit. Um Saboro, a guy who might not be in the, in the mix, and and, and Sinitian's had, you know, he had some injuries this year, but he kind of hasn't. Uh, he's not. He's not a, a, at the point of, at this point where DeBrusque was last year, right? I mean, DeBrusque had the full year in Providence, and you knew and he, you was knew ready he was to coming. Make a move. Sinitian's a little less, so clearly you're not going to get the first pick for just one of those guys. It might have to involve another pick or something. But yeah, I mean, getting in the first round here couldn't be the worst thing in the world, and. We've saved this for the end uh, to talk about Bruce Cassidy and his coaching staff. Uh, Bruce won't win Coach of the Year. Uh, right. You know that's got Gerard Gallant's exactly. name already engraved on the trophy, and it should. But I'll tell you what, there might not be too many guys in the league I'd want coaching this team ahead of Bruce oh, of Cassidy right now. I mean, the things that this team accomplished this year, in the face of five rookies, in the face of the injuries. I mean, in November, when at one point, what Bergeron, Marchand, and Chara were out at the lineup at the same time, I think. Um, I wasn't planning on having well, that, work that, to do the in first May. First couple you know? weeks of March, <laughs> yeah, they had like five regulars. Out right. Of oh, and then you got that too. Exactly. So the course of the whole season. But I'm talking about early in this year when you yep. really didn't know about this team, and those big players came out of the lineup, and we were talking about lottery. You know what's going to happen in lottery, and how badly is this team going to fall, and is Donnie going to take the fall for this? And that Bruce Cassidy was able to in- integrate all those rookies, and you know we talk about five rookies, but there were there were games where they had six. And uh, to integrate them into into the lineup and to make them believe to the point where what they lost two in a row in regulation like twice or some nonsense. Yeah. I mean, never mind that eighteen games without a regulation loss. I mean, it's it's crazy. And like you said, uh, Gerard Gallant overshadows this, but it, it was an amazing coaching job. And uh, maybe he learned some lessons in the playoffs, like we talked about. And that's what it's all about, right? I mean, Claude Julian had to learn from '09 and 2010, and Bruce Cassidy, this is just his – he's now got three playoff series with the Bruins, and he had, I believe, one with the Capitals. So it, it takes a long time to, to learn how to coach in the playoffs. But obviously for regular season, the perfect guy for this team. The kids especially because he is hard on them. He's not using kid gloves, so to speak, the way some people would – But he also would, doesn't bury them. But he doesn't bury them, and he doesn't let them get away with stuff. He knows he's got the perfect balance, and that's what you need in this league right now. Time for our Wise Snacks Player of the Week, despite the fact that, you know, you lost and all that stuff. And, and I'll let you pick your guy, but for me, it's Patrice Bergeron. Uh, you know, he, he kept playing the exact same level, mm-hmm. the exact same way, right up through Game 5. 
he'd be my guy for player of the yeah. week. Yeah. Well, you know what? The, the, maybe it's not the, the player of the week, so to speak, but the player of the year. And you're talking about playing through stuff. Uh, Zidane Chara had a broken finger and a shoulder injury that he was playing through and did all those things to Austin Matthews and Steven Stamkos. And that's the one thing that's funny about Patrice is he gets so much credit for playing through stuff, but uh, Zidane Chara, the guy you say people like to call in and complain about, he he does a lot of that too. Yeah. And uh doesn't maybe doesn't get the same credit maybe because he's six nine and he's a beast but uh, he had a hell of a playoffs and I don't think uh, people should be knocking him at all. Uh, I'll say this: um, I'm too close to it at this point because you know we've been working on this thing for over a year. <laughs> uh, but I like the book yep. that that we came up with. I I think fans will learn some stuff that they didn't know, Absolutely. which was the goal all along. Definitely. Uh, when it comes out, I think November sixth. Uh, I th- I think Bruins fans will get a kick out of it. Absolutely. I mean, there are things in there that. I certainly didn't know. I think there's even things in there that you didn't know. Not until I started talking to people. <laughs> exactly. So uh, it's definitely a different kind of book, and I think uh, you know the, the ones for the other teams have been really popular. Fan fan bases for those teams have loved them, and I think this time around, uh, you're really gonna fans are really gonna like to read this book and, and learn some things. And I think especially there's so many new Bruins fans that have come on the last right. ten years since you know even just before the cup, since the cup. I think people are really gonna um, learn see a different side of things. Well, I'm sick of it by now. I've just I've seen <laughs> enough of the book. I've 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 read enough of yeah, it. I've, and then you just got the whole summer to wait. Yeah, and then just sit around and and hope people buy the darn thing and practice your autograph. Yeah, oh yeah, that'll happen, right? Uh, well, Matt, it was it was a pleasure not only writing the book with you. That was fun throughout the last year, but uh, having you in on on the uh, season wrap-up edition of Zero Pucks Given. This will be a little little more intermittent throughout the course of the summer. Uh, We'll bring it back around the time of the draft, uh, around the time of free agency, and uh, maybe we'll get a chance to come in and visit some more as we uh, continue to look towards the upcoming season, which I think most people are pretty optimistic about. (laughs) Yeah, there's no reason not to be. We hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we hope you enjoy the summer as well, but don't give up on hockey. (laughs) This has been Zero Pucks Given.